Let's go straight into the Word and let's go to Luke chapter 5 and we're going to read the first 11 verses. This is a wonderful story and I've just been captivated by it this past week. Luke chapter 5. And so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the Word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when, he, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And so when they brought their boats to the land, to land, they forsook all and followed him. So Jesus is on the lake of Gennesaret. There are three names, Lake of Tiberias, Lake of Galilee. And Jesus was at Gennesaret and he uh, started teaching. But he wanted to get into a boat and just push a little way offshore. So he got into the boat. He didn't even know which boat it was. But he saw some of the fishermen that were washing the nets. What does washing nets mean? Washing nets means I've quit for the day. I've quit. I've had it. I'm done. I'm over Cadavas. I am done for today. And I, I want to ask, is there anybody here today who's quit? I, I, I'm done. You're alive. But you've quit. You're breathing. But you've had it. You're functioning. But you're done. This morning you come here, you're breathing, you're alive, but you've quit. You put your makeup on, you put your deodorant on, you put your aftershave on, whatever you've done, but you're done. Are you done like that? Here these fishermen were and they were washing their nets. They were done for the day. Washing their nets means uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm done. And Jesus arrives, and things change. Things change very quickly. You know, when Jesus arrives, things change. Netsua. There's a lovely Afrikaans saying, just like that. Netsua. He's always a disruptor. And he looks at these guys that are quit, and that have quit, and he changes, he disrupts things. Ah. That's what Jesus does. You know, if you want a nice, neat, sweet Jesus, you're coming to the wrong person. 
And Jesus immediately challenges their belief system. You know, they were in the comfort zone. And he wants to pull them out of the comfort zone and challenge them. Jesus disrupts. Are you comfortable? You comfortable in your Christian life? The Lord doesn't want you to be comfortable. You know, if you've arrived here this morning with no sense of expectancy that God is going to attend to you, deal with you, challenge you, then you're comfortable. You're no longer concerned about the spiritual condition of your family, the spiritual condition of your friends, your neighbors, the people that you work with, then you're in a comfort zone. You haven't had a spiritual conversation for a while with a non-believer. The Bible seems to be like a history book. Then you're just too comfortable. When your happiness on a Sunday morning means getting a parking place close by and having a good style of worship by a good worship leader with a nice set of songs, if that's what you want, and the nice sweet little Christianity, your Christianity has become too comfortable. You don't have a plight and a concern for the poor. You don't give financial sacrificially. You're financially sacrificial. You, you, you don't want to do that. Uh, your prayers don't seem to be going further than the ceiling. Um, it, it, it doesn't even dawn on you that God is wanting to do something incredibly radical in your life. You're just too comfortable. You comfortable? Your desire and your passion for God has become a little stagnant. You know, God hasn't called us to a comfortable Christianity. Healthy Christianity is always radical. Maybe you start to compromise some of your uh, moral principles. You've just become too comfortable. So Jesus arrives on the scene, and he wants to challenge their comfort. He wants to challenge them out of their quittedness. They're giving up. They're washing nets. Come on, guys. Let's get going with this. You know, Jesus is a rabble rouser. You know, whenever he arrived in a town, you never knew what was going to take place. He was going to turn that town upside down and possibly the right way up. He was going to challenge the guys. And all bets were off. And Jesus is coming. He's going to get into a boat. He doesn't know whose boat it is. It's Simon's boat. Fascinating. He gets into this boat. God is going to do a new thing. He's going to do something radical. He's going to turn it upside down. And Jesus walks over and says to Simon, just thrust out a little bit. And he goes out into the water. And he sits down. You know, he doesn't stand and he teaches the multitude. He doesn't flail his arms. He doesn't have a sound system. He doesn't have a PA system. He just sits with the multitudes in a boat. He sits in a boat and he teaches and they are spellbound. We don't know what he taught because his teaching is just incredible. And I think it's, 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 it's so important for us to see that we don't see what Jesus taught, but we see what he did. And he teaches this crowd. And then he says to the Simon, I want you to push out a little bit. Push out a little bit. And launch out into the deep. And that's what I want to speak on this morning. To launch out into the deep. To leave the shallows 
and to launch out into the deep water. And Jesus performs an incredible miracle here. Peter comes from washing his nets, comes from a state of being, I'm done, to yes, I'll listen to what the Lord says, I'll get into the boat with him, to the point where he says, Jesus says, launch out into the deep, and he obeys. And the most incredible miracle takes place. And he catches this huge bunch of fish. Are you comfortable in the shallow waters? You know, in the shallow waters, you can see the bottom. You know what's there. It's familiar. The shallows are always familiar. That's where we like to spend most of our time. It's reassuring. We're totally in control when the water is shallow. But this morning, the Lord says, I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to launch out into the deep. And Peter is there in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the day, that's not when fishermen fish. Fishermen fish at night or early in the morning. When the sun comes up, the fish go down. But Jesus is in charge of the situation. You know, not only is he Lord in the way he speaks, but he's Lord of everything else. And he saw the fish out there, and the fish were ready to be caught. Launch out into the deep. Launch out into unknown territory. Launch out into the unknown. Launch out where the big fish are. Launch out where there are a lot of fish. Shallow. It's not scary. In the deep, it's scary. The deep, it's unexplored. We've never been there before. And the Lord says, I want you to launch, to launch out into the deep. You know, one of the favorite, my favorite quotes when I was growing up as a teenager, I heard this thing, God's gift to us is potential and gifts. Our gift back to God is developing and using it. What are you doing to deepen your Christian life? How do we do that? by getting out of the comfort zone, by getting out of the shallow waters. Life begins, we experience God's favor and God's blessing when we obey Him and we launch out into the deep. Can you imagine if Peter never launched out into the deep? You would just be comfortable, satisfied. Smoking in his own quittedness. That's it. But he launched out. And I mean, I think that we Christians experience just a fraction of our ability because we don't launch out into deep, into the deep with the Lord. You know, it's like a guy who comes for an interview and he says to the guy who's doing the interview, he says, I'm overqualified for this job, but I promise to use half my ability. 
And there are Christians that are using half their ability, half the potential that God has blessed them with, with this incredible power and with this incredible authority that has given to us. Do you know that there is an incredible statistic that a third of school graduates never ever pick up a book after they've left school? And then those that go on to do university and college education, 42%. I mean, obviously you have to read and study when you're at university or at college. But 42% of those that have left college never pick up a book as well. And a publisher, David Godin, says this 32% of the U.S. population never ever in their entire life go into a bookshop. That's, that's just like fascinating. Do you want to remain average all your life? Some definitions of average. Average is the top of the bottom. It's the best of the worst. It's the bottom of the top. It's the worst of the best. Which one are you? Average means being run-of-the-mill, mediocre, insignificant, and a non-entity. Average is you take up space for no purpose. You take a trip through life but never pay the fare. To return no interest for God's investment in you. Hmm. Being average is to pass one's life away with time rather than to pass one's time away with life. It's to kill time rather than to work it to death. To be average is to be forgotten once you pass from this life. To be successful is to be remembered for your contributions. To be a failure means you're remembered for what you tried, but to be average is the silent majority and they are forgotten. To be average is to commit the greatest crime against oneself, against humanity, and against God. The saddest epitaph is, here lies Mr. and Mrs. Average. Here lies the remains of what might have been, except for their belief that they were just simply average. Anybody average here? You're wandering around the shallows? God's word to you this morning is, launch out into the deep. Come on, let's launch out into the deep. Don't be satisfied with mediocrity. You know that statement, good enough is good enough. That good enough spreads like a terrible disease. It metastasizes an entire church. Good enough. And Jesus says to us, like he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Nature doesn't understand average. Nature doesn't understand mediocre, shallow. Everything in nature pushes forward and pushes upward. Nature protests against idleness. Launch out into the deep. Imagine if Peter stayed in that shallow water. I'm comfortable. I don't need to exercise my potential. I'll just fall into the same old familiar patterns and habits, doing the same thing in the same ways with the same people at the same time and expecting the same results. 
Being in your comfort zone just leads you to mediocrity, which will ultimately produce dissatisfaction. Abraham Maslow, the American psychologist and author, said this, if you plan on being anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. I'll read that again. If you plan on being anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. Are you experiencing your full potential in God? Here again. Launch out into the deep. Peter moved out of his comfort zone. He was incredibly blessed by it. He moved out of his comfort zone. He moved out of his mediocrity, that mindset. Initially, he had an excuse. Lord, we've been trying all night, and we haven't caught anything. Not a single fish. He had an excuse. But he didn't allow that excuse to hinder him. The saddest words that are uttered in English are, it might have been. But he didn't, he, he didn't utter those things. And he launched out into the deep. He risked. He obeyed and he risked. You see, monotony is an awful reward for the careful. Uh, i just rather hang around in the shallows right now. See, growth doesn't come by hanging around in the shallows. Growth comes by being stretched, by growing, by obeying what God says. And he says to us this morning, I want you to launch out into the deep. It's an interesting thing. Because I think at that moment he had a revelation. I'm the owner of the boat, says Simon. But Jesus owns the sea. It's not what's in my boat. It's what's in the sea that I need. And he launched out into the deep. You see, this was totally contrary to thinking, logical thinking. Jesus is a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? The sun is up. The fish are deep, deep, deep in the water. They're not floating around on top. But he obeyed what Jesus was saying. You see, the Bible is full of stories that are not logical. Let me give you a few. God says to Gideon, I want you to go and fight against the Midianites. I want you to reduce your army only to 300. So they're now way outnumbered. I want you not even to take a sword, not even a weapon of warfare. I want you to take a, a torch and a trumpet. Then I want you to walk around. This is a different story. I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days, not say a word. I mean, how logical is that? I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, the Bible is not a logical book. In human terms. And so when Jesus says to Peter, launch out into the deep, he obeys. You see, sometimes God asks us 
to break with the norm, to go into another dimension, to do something out of the ordinary, because God is going to do it. Launch out into the deep. And my prayer this morning is that we would break limitations, that we would break boundaries that hold us back, that we would break down walls that are in between us and what God wants to do in and through our lives. Launch out into the deep. Don't hang around in the shallows. See, and there are too many people in churches that are afraid of launching out into the deep. We've become comfortable in our seats, in our pews, whatever church you're a part of. And we fail to be obedient to the Word of God. It's about time we launch out into the deep. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The message translation says this at the end, you are God's instruments to do his work, to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made in your life. See, we need to realize that the church is here or there. Not for us. It's not for us. It's not a hotel for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. And we need to have that incredible passion to go out and to share this incredible thing called the gospel. Evangelize. You know, it's, it's not my job, but it's their job. It's everybody's job to tell of the good and wonderful things that God has done. That's why we do testimonies. And I think we are blessed by the testimonies each and every single week. You know, we've forgotten. We've forgotten how exciting it is to launch out into the deep and to do some stuff that's unusual. The deep is where the fish live. The deep is where you find most of the opportunities to grow, grow ourselves. The deep is where Jesus wants us to be. Let's launch out. Let's launch out, launch out so that we can do things that we didn't think we could do. Launch out into the deep. Launch out because out there are great, incredible needs for people to experience and to feel the love of God in their life. You might feel a little uncomfortable in the deep. Prefer to be in the shallows, safe, familiar. God hasn't called us to cozy Christianity. Let's launch out. Let's get engaged in the work of the kingdom. Let's get engaged in the deep waters of the messiness of society and community. But this is a small church. We're only five years old. This is a small church. You can't expect big things. Listen, we've got a big God. He's got a huge God. And one of the things that we need to understand is that our God is able, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now the interesting thing about the story is that the New King James Version says something different and it says 
Jesus says, cast your nets out into the deep water. Cast your nets out. And Peter says, okay, I'll cast my net. No plural, no S on the end. He says, one net. You know, he goes launching out, but he goes with such a, a narrow mindset and he casts his net out. I mean, when we're moving in the authority and the power of God, let's come prepared. And so, he casts this one net out. And he pulls in this huge, hey, help guys, help, I need your help, come. Come to the rescue, there's lots of fish here. I mean, I think that it's important that we need to have a, a network going. And we do have that network going. And next week, we've got a guy that's coming. He's going to preach to us from a crowded house church in Johannesburg. He started, uh, he's they thriving, they're pumping. The 412 conference is going to take place next week. And guys are coming from all over the world. There's a network going on. And I thank God for this network. And we need this network. Help to bring in the fish. And we need that partnership. We need that kind of support that is going on. If we don't, we'll miss out on what God is doing. We'll miss out. You know, every Thursday, Medler and I love to have folk in our house where we celebrate supper together and we just get to know new folk. And this last Thursday, we uh, had folk come and join us. But every Thursday, it's a bit of a challenge. I mean, I don't mind cooking food. But the lovely lady who does our domestic work only comes on a Friday. So we have to clean up. So I take the vacuum and I start vacuuming. And my wife comes behind and she's got the mop on the tiles. And you know, she, she makes me madder than fire because you, have, you haven't, you missed this area. You haven't cleaned up. I mean, it's not like she's got dirt in her pocket and she hoys it down. I mean, I say, but look at the vacuum. The vacuum cleaner is full of dirt. I'm vacuuming here. It was started off with empty. It was clean. Now it's full of dust. And I miss out on a couple of spots. And there are many fish out there and we're missing out. We're missing out because we don't want to launch out into the deep. The story finishes with Peter sensing the first five verses or first eight verses Jesus refers to him as master yeah he witnessed Jesus heal his mother-in-law and calls him master but then towards the end of the story he calls him Lord there's a change there's a transition Lord means everything and he falls at Jesus' feet and says depart from me Lord a transformation begins to take place in Peter. And he says, Lord, I'm a sinful person. Depart from me. You see that catch of fish elevated not only Jesus to become Lord, but it elevated his sense of sin. Sometimes when I've been worshipping, I, I, you know, I'm a sinner. I know that. But I haven't done bad stuff. 
I committed my life when I was 15 years old to the, to the Lord. I mean, you, you, you don't get to be a gangster and a drunkard and a murderer and a rapist at 15. So, but sometimes I just sense when I'm worshiping, this is a holy God. This is an incredibly beautiful holy God. And who am I? I'm just, my righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible tells us. And you just sense. So Peter has this sense of, wow, this is a transition here. Who am I? This is the Lord of all creation standing. Depart from me, Lord. And the miracle that took place really changed Peter's life. And he sees not so much the miracle, but he sees the miracle worker. The miracle worker, his power, his authority, his love, his holiness. And Peter realizes his unworthiness. See, the interesting thing here is that Peter falls on his knees and he says, depart from me, Lord. And Jesus responds and says, do not be afraid. You know what? Do not be afraid. The entirety of that word or that sentence is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because he recognized and realized his sin. You see, what happens to sinners? What happens? And Peter realized, oh, I've messed up. Where, what's going to happen to me now? The entire gospel is hidden in those words, do not be afraid. Jesus came to save sinners, not to punish them. And punishment was the thing that Peter was afraid of. And Jesus says, I've taken that punishment and I'll place it on me. He didn't understand it at the time, but we only understand it later when Jesus died on the cross and took all our sins. And he takes the sins of Peter. And he says, do not be afraid. And there's such unbelievable truth there. And with that sense of salvation, with that sense of saving, Jesus commissions him and says to him, places a responsibility. From now on, Peter, you will become a fisher of men. When we experience the wonder of his salvation, the result always is that God gives us something, a responsibility. What responsibility has he given you? We have changed, we have transformed, been transformed from darkness into light because of the wonder of his love. The world is deceitful. Jesus is faithful. The world is sinful. Jesus is holy. The world is sorrowful. He has come to give us incredible joy. And it's easy to follow him. And the Bible says, the message or the story, they left all and followed him. There was a sense, I'm committing my life totally to the Lord. They left everything behind. You cannot follow Jesus and love the world at the same time. You can't go in two different directions. For them, for Peter, James, John, who were witnessing the situation, that verse that we see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, was decided. There is a song that's written, I have decided to follow Jesus.
No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. That's what happened to Peter. This morning, are you ready to launch out? To do something that's supernatural in your life? I want to encourage you. This is the time to launch out and to see the blessing, the incredible blessing of God in your life. Let's pray together.